Good morning, Nashville. I'm Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, September 28th. Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill and Steven Goskowski did it again and are undefeated after beating Minnesota 31-30 on Sunday. In fact, this might be the formula in 2020. The Titans got the ball their own 19-yard line down by two with 3.42 left in the game. Tannehill, despite some bizarre play calling to end the drive that we'll get to in a second, managed to work the offense into field goal range for a third consecutive game-winning field goal from Goskowski. The 55-yard game winner was his career-high sixth made field goal of the game and the third from at least 50 yards in the second half alone. That's right, the guy who missed five total kicks in the first two games made all seven of his kicks on Sunday, a day that obviously featured the Titans' inability to finish drives. Winning is all that matters in the NFL, and the Titans are 3-0. Tannehill finished with 321 yards passing and his seventh game-winning drive since taking over as the starter in Week 7 of last season, the most in the NFL over that span. He only had 13 game-winning drives in six years as a Miami Dolphin. Derrick Henry carried 26 more times for 119 more yards in his first two touchdowns of the season. The offense finished with over 400 yards and has figured out ways to make big plays when it matters the most to win games. They scored on each of the last five possessions of the game on Sunday. That said, the Titans couldn't convert on third down. They were 3 of 13 on the day and couldn't finish drives in plus territory. The Titans made nine trips inside the Vikings' 40-yard line and scored just two touchdowns. The other seven drives? Stalled out with what can only be referred to as corky play calling, none more puzzling than the game-winning drive, in fact. The Titans had a first down on the 38-yard line at the two-minute warning, trailing by two. And instead of handing the ball to Derrick Henry three times to make the kick easier and use some clock, Arthur Smith threw the ball three times. The first pass was almost intercepted. The second was a wide receiver screen to Adam Humphreys, and the third Tannehill had to throw away because the Titans didn't spot the blitz and adjust. They gained one yard and took 12 seconds off the clock. It wouldn't be a huge concern if it wasn't what had happened the entire game. The Titans moved the ball extremely well, leaning on Henry in the play-action pass, per usual. But every time this team got into scoring range, Smith would call a jet sweep or something else like that and just left me scratching my head the entire day. But the offense did its job. The defense is where the real concern is, as Tennessee gave up massive chunk plays on the ground and through the air to what had been one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Minnesota finished with 226 yards rushing and 238 yards passing, using a Titans-esque play-action attack paired with a potent Dalvin Cook running game. It looked very familiar, actually. The Titans look helpless on defense at times, a trend that began in the second half against Jacksonville last week. The new look and much less experienced defense has some major issues. Outside of Jeffrey Simmons, the front seven is getting gashed on the ground. Cook was getting five, six, seven, eight yards downfield before even getting touched by anyone. And the secondary looks slow without Adoree Jackson. After giving up 480 yards to the Jags, the defense did make a big play to end that game. And while they provided some timely pressure on Kirk Cousins on the final possession on Sunday, they also got lucky with a fumbled snap that really ended the Vikings chances. And Taylor Lewan left the game in the first half and never returned. Lewan awkwardly went headfirst into a defender as he fell. He was down on the ground for quite a while and eventually rode off sitting upright in a cart. The Titans listed his return as questionable with a shoulder injury, but I could not help but flash back to the longest game in NFL history when Lewan was knocked out in the season opener in Miami a few years ago. We'll keep an eye on his status. The win was great and the drama was even better. The question is how sustainable is this type of life in the NFL? Look, the Titans are 3-0 in first place and still feel like the same offensive team that rolled their way through to the AFC title game last year. Hell, maybe even the kicking woes have been fixed. So we're nitpicking that side of a good team here. And it should have been expected that a proud Vikings team was going to play its best with its back against the 0-2 wall. But it takes nitpicking to win Super Bowls. And it takes a defense to win Super Bowls, too. 
Mike Vrabel needs to do some work with his side of the ball if the Titans expect to continue their winning ways, especially with 3-0 Pittsburgh coming to town next weekend. We all waited nine months for football to return to Saturdays in the South, and the first weekend of SEC football certainly didn't disappoint. Mike Leach made his SEC head coaching debut for Mississippi State with a 44-34 win over LSU in Baton Rouge. And of course, his offense is already setting passing records. Transfer quarterback KJ Costello set the all-time single-game SEC passing record with 623 yards as the 16-point underdog carved up the national champions. In fact, it's the first time in NCAA history that a player threw for over 600 yards against a defending champ. And it was the first time since 1998 that a defending national champion lost its season opener. Mississippi State is going to be fun to watch this year. There is no question. When Mike Leach is in your conference, your conference is better. But the big story is that LSU has major issues, and it appears that losing almost all of your starters and your offensive and defensive architects is a bad thing. This team was ranked sixth in the nation entering the season opener, and they might be the sixth best team in the SEC at this point. The Bulldogs won in Baton Rouge against the defending national champions with a grand total of nine rushing yards, which is a totally normal SEC stat line. Maybe this air raid thing can work in the SEC after all. Or maybe LSU has fallen further than we thought, faster than we thought. In a game in where both coaches had a lot riding on the outcome, the second best game of the week was Tennessee's 31-27 win over South Carolina. For the eighth time in nine meetings, this game was a one-score game. It was Tennessee's seventh consecutive win overall, trailing only Notre Dame's eight-game active streak among all Power 5 teams, and the Vols' fourth straight win in one-score games, showing us that Jeremy Pruitt's team is learning how to win close games. Big swings and momentum highlighted the battle on Saturday night after a slow first half. Both offenses came out swinging in the second. Tennessee's Jarrett Garantano will be the story as well. He was inconsistent. He definitely needs to work on his accuracy, but he didn't turn the ball over. He averaged over eight yards per attempt and made some big throws when he needed to, including what turned out to be the game-winning 32-yard touchdown pass with just about nine minutes to go in the game. The defense did just enough, and the Vols were able to run the ball just enough. But this team will go as far as Jarrett Garantano takes them. Florida also set some records in their 51-35 win over Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss on Saturday. The Gators set a school record with 642 yards in an SEC game, and Kyle Trask tied an SEC record with six touchdown passes in an SEC season opener. Tight end Kyle Pitts caught eight passes for 170 yards and four touchdowns. That's right, a tight end. The tackling was poor for Florida as Ole Miss gashed the Gators down the field with big chunk plays. But Matt Corral does seem to be in control of Lane Kiffin's offense, and it won't be the first time that the Rebels overachieve on offense. We talked about continuity and veteran leadership playing a huge role in this pandemic football universe that we live in right now, entering the season, and it showed in a big way as Dan Mullen's offense was lights out from the first snap. And oh, by the way, the Gators have a kicker now too. Meanwhile, in Athens, starting quarterback DeWan Mathis made it just over a quarter before getting pulled as the post-Jake Fromm era for Georgia began. Stetson Bennett... That's right, Stetson Bennett took over early in the second quarter, and after a very slow start for Todd Munkin's new offense, the Bulldogs eventually pulled away for a relatively easy 37-10 win over Arkansas. The Hogs scored on a touchdown on its second possession, and then scored three total points on its next 14 possessions. While the offense has its issues, clearly, and is a major work in progress, Kirby Smart's defense looks as advertised as one of the best in America. What is there to say about Alabama's 38-19 win over Missouri other than that they allowed 13 late points to the Tigers that cost a lot of betters some money? The starters were out of the game for Alabama midway through the third quarter as the Tide had a 35-3 lead without really even breaking a sweat. To Auburn, I say I am sorry, and I was dead wrong. 
I had Kentucky going down to the Plains and winning outright, and that definitely didn't happen. Bo Nix and his favorite target, Seth Williams, deserve a lot of credit for making big plays when it mattered the most to give Auburn a 29-13 win over Kentucky. But the real story was the officiating, bad coaching decisions by Mark Stoops, and critical mistakes from quarterback Terry Wilson. The Wildcats were Auburn's equal on Saturday. They ran 21 more plays, had 13 more minutes time of possession, and controlled the tempo from the beginning. But they cost themselves a chance at an upset with their lack of discipline. One of the bigger storylines from Week 1 that won't get a lot of national run is how well Vanderbilt played as a 30-point underdog in College Station. It wasn't pretty football for either team, and the end of the game will likely drive Derek Mason nuts, but the 17-12 loss showed two important things for Vandy fans. Number one, quarterback Ken Seals, just the third true freshman quarterback in SEC history to start in his team's opener, Bo Nix and Brent Schaefer, the other two, looked like he's going to be the starter for a long time on West End. And number two, new defensive coordinator Ted Roof looks to have made some massive improvements on the defense already. Texas A&M, which clearly didn't look like the top 10 team we all thought they were, now gets to play Alabama. Better show some improvement, Jimbo. Things were looking pretty good for Nashville SC on Saturday to pick up three more points after Daniel Rios became the team's all-time leading scorer with just his second goal of the year in the 49th minute. But alas, SC conceded a two-point goal in the 89th minute to allow Houston to pull the draw. While disappointing to cough up a win in the final moments like they did on Saturday, Nashville SC has still collected points in six of its last seven matches and still sits in ninth place in the Eastern Conference table, which is the second-to-last playoff spot. Nashville will travel to Gillette Stadium, take on the New England Revolution in their next match, 6.30 p.m. Central Time next Saturday. My name is Braden Gall, and this has been the 440 for Monday, September 28th. 440 is a production of 440 Media, LLC, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.